guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks guys, now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the pod. This is Melissa, and you're listening to Mimosa Sisterhood, where we pop bottles and celebrate the world's greatest women. Today, we have got another Everyday Woman series where we get to talk to an awesome woman out there in the world with an inspirational life story who is kicking ass and taking names. And I'm super excited about this episode because it hits really close to home. You might have heard me mention several times in the past on this podcast that I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism right around my 30th birthday. This was a huge shock to me as I had no idea I had any kind of thyroid issue But nevertheless, this diagnosis was an absolute godsend because my body was fucked up. I had been experiencing symptoms of hypothyroidism at least five years before I actually got diagnosed. And while I was super upset to find out I had a thyroid issue, I was also just like totally relieved that I finally had some kind of answer as to what had been going on with my body. I was experiencing very severe temperature issues. And what that means is I would be sweating profusely when the temperature was completely normal. Or I'd be so freaking cold, you'd think that I was in Antarctica when I was just sitting in like a regular temperatured room. So I had these super weird experiences of hot and cold feelings, almost like (laughs) menopause. But no, guys, I'm not that old yet. And I also have experienced some pretty wild amounts of hair loss. I do not have any patches really in my hair, but... The amount of hair that comes off my head in the shower is alarming. Just ask my boyfriend. And I also have had some very tremendous challenges losing weight. So my diagnosis came back and I had hypothyroidism. And my journey trying to understand what that is, how to fix it, how to manage my life differently, to live with hypothyroidism, it's been a complete nightmare. So I did what any millennial does in the year 2021, and I went to the internet. And I was so lucky to have found several women on the internet who were open to sharing their own personal stories, one of which I will be talking to today on the podcast, 
This woman is Neethi Rathor, and she is a personal trainer, a nutrition coach for women with hypothyroidism, and she also has her own program called Hypothyroid 365, where she works with women of all ages that have hypothyroidism, and she helps them manage their weight and improve their quality of life by providing support to make healthier choices without a restrictive diet. So Needy has experienced her own very tremendous thyroid issues. She had thyroid cancer. She eventually got Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, which she will talk about a lot more in this episode, but she knows the deal. She's been through the shit and she has created an incredible program for women like myself who have been struggling to figure out how to live a normal life with a thyroid issue. So I'm super excited to have her on the show and she is going to spit some facts and figures and I'm just so grateful. So if anybody out there listening has hypothyroidism or any kind of thyroid disease, this episode is absolutely for you. It is jam-packed with such incredible information. Needy knows her shit. And also, follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram page is just like jam-packed with so much incredible information for people like myself who are just lost navigating this illness. So before we get into it, just a few friendly reminders. If you haven't yet, I would love more than ever for your support on Apple Podcasts. If you are able to take a little time out of your day today to give us a five-star rating and a written review, it's the quickest, easiest, and cheapest way to help support Mimosa Sisterhood podcast. And I read every single one of your reviews and I appreciate all of you more than I could ever truly express. Podcast merchandise is still in the works. It's coming mid-July, so stay tuned for more information on that launch. And I've got a lot of other really cool shit coming down the pipeline that I can't wait to announce as it gets a little bit closer. So thanks again for everybody that tunes in every week. I love you. I appreciate you. You're the real MVP. And without further ado, let's get into the show. So everybody give a huge round of applause to Needy. Welcome to Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast. I have been looking forward to this for a month, and I'm just so happy that you're here. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here on the show. Super excited. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I was thinking about doing like a little intro on my own to tell people who you are, but I feel like it would be better for you to just introduce yourself and just tell everybody who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into your story because I have been... So excited for this. I've been looking for somebody like you in my life for two years, so I don't even want to waste any time. I just want to let you dive in. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a 
hypothyroid sister. And currently, profession-wise, I am a fitness and nutrition coach for women with hypothyroidism. And this really came to be after my own diagnosis and journey with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, and thyroid cancer, which I've been on now for about 13 years. Crazy. It's been 13 years. That is a long time. Oh my God. So yeah, so I've actually, in the past previous episodes of my show, I've mentioned very briefly about my hypothyroid diagnosis that I got when I was around 30 years old. And I've also mentioned on my show how I really struggled with getting support from my general practitioner. And it's just been a hard journey over the past couple of years trying to figure out what's going on with my body. So I have been looking for resources just out in the World Wide Web, finding other women who have gone through a similar experience and just seeking support from them on how they have either managed it or learned how to improve it. I don't mm-hmm. even know if you can heal it. That's why you're here. You're here to tell me all the all the things that I don't know about it. So I've just been super excited since I found you online. You have a fantastic platform. Your Instagram page is full of so much incredible information. And I'm just so excited that you're here because this is the first time since I got diagnosed that I've been able to speak to somebody directly about this. I wanted you to start by just like Telling a little bit about your diagnosis, you know, the beginning couple of years of being diagnosed and like what that was like for you and, you know, the steps that you took to either get medication or support or healing. And then also like later in the episode, I would love to get into like what even is hypothyroidism. I think so many people have no clue what this is. So we'll start with just like you and your story and then we'll get into like the education after. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I think a lot of us, when we're diagnosed with any condition that tends to be lifelong, it everything tends to snowball really fast. And that's what kind of happened in my case as well. So when I was 17 years old, I rem- it was a senior in high school. And the most important thing in my life at that time was one, getting into college and two, finding a prom dress. That was yep. fire. That's all I cared about. <laughs> that's all I really wanted in life. Those were the only two things that really mattered. And I remember being a senior in high school, being one of the few that didn't have her driver's license. So my mom drove me from mall to mall in the Bay Area of California to find the right perfect prom dress, right? And it was during this, this season of trying on prom dresses that I ran into like a lot of just like body in like insecurity issues or everything was coming to surface. Like I knew I was kind of always insecure, but then you're trying to like look perfect for this like one super important night and every dress I'd like try on, I felt like I looked like a potato. Mm-hmm. And it was through it was during one of these like dress fittings, so to speak, that my mom was like, Hey Nevi, I think there's like a mass in your neck. Like your neck looks really big. And I completely blew her off. Because my mom tends to be kind of hypercritical anyways. And that's just kind of how our culture is. I have an Indian background. I'm just very used to my mom just being like, hey, that's wrong with you. And so when I'm like putting on this dress, I think I kind of liked it. And she's like, dude, your neck looks kind of big. And I'm just like, whatever, mom. You're just so not supportive. Everything's fat. My neck is fat. My arms are fat. Like everything. I'm just never going to find the perfect dress. I completely wrote her off. And so... Came, like prom came, prom was done. I went off to college. I went to UC San Diego. And it wasn't until a year later, like after I finished my freshman year of college that I finally went home for the summer. And that mass in my neck had grown. 
it was larger than the size of a large egg. And I remember going home to my mom and she's like, that needs to be checked out. That is not just you putting on weight or not, it's not just you being fat. There is something going on. And I guess I just never really had noticed. I think that when you're, when like, especially with me at that time in my life, all I was, I was just so hypercritical that I couldn't find one thing I liked about my body. So even if there was a massive neck, like mass in my neck, I just didn't notice it. I just attributed all my problems to me being fat. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I went home. She's like, we need to get this checked out. So we did. I was immediately told it was thyroid cancer. Had I listened to my mom the first time she brought it up during prom dress shopping when it was like, yay, big, like barely anything. I think things could have been better, but you know what? It is what it is. So I really just followed my doctor's advice. They said, we, the first thing we need to do is like get you under the knife, like surgically cut out this mass that we have. And so we did that. The recovery was kind of horrible, but not too bad because I was home for summer. And that led to my hypothyroidism diagnosis and my Hashimoto's diagnosis as well. Interesting. So the surgery wasn't so bad, right? I like kind of went under, got this mask cut out, and it turns out that like this tumor had grown over the majority of my thyroid. That's like having to, me to get most of my thyroid removed so that it wouldn't grow over like the remaining 25%. And so that led to a hypothyroidism diagnosis because most of it got that uh, got removed and it wasn't the recovery from the surgery that was bad it was more so the the condition that you're left with lifelong as a result of not having the majority of your thyroid afterwards so we're like one quick question i have is thyroid cancer is not always the cause for hypothyroidism or other thyroid type issues right they can they're separate problems but they can also come as one Exactly. Exactly. So hypothyroidism is pretty much a sub-functioning of our thyroid gland. So some people could just naturally have a slower thyroid due to genetics or something else that's hormonally related. In my case, I think growing up, I had an okay thyroid and then I had most of it removed. And so Mm -hmm. I had a sub-functioning thyroid as a result of the surgery. Got it. And so how did your doctors that you were already seeing when you had the thyroid cancer experience with them and they diagnosed you with it, were those the same doctors that then later told you you also have Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism or did that come years down the line? Yeah. So that actually came quite a ways later. Um, My surgeon at the time really all just, just really just cared about my recovery, right? And I was never told that, hey, you're going to have hypothyroidism now or you have a really high chance because you barely have a thyroid. No one told me any of these things. And I went back to college where I wasn't seeing a doctor regularly. So it's like I had a a summer break where I got my surgery done, got my tumor out, and I was back like back into school. And so it was I quickly put on about 45 pounds over the span of like nine months. Like pretty much having changed nothing. I say that I changed nothing, but in hindsight now, I can say that I definitely did eat more. It did affect my mental health and my habits did change, but it was so gradual and the body change was so fast, Mm -hmm. right? So I quickly went from about 125, 130 pounds to 175 in about nine months. Mm -hmm. And it was still during this time where I just couldn't figure out what it was. But it was after this weight gain where I just was suffering from me- like major self-esteem issues, major body image issues that I realized that something needed to get checked out. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I finally like went to the doctors and they got my thyroid labs tested. And I told them that, hey, I had most of my thyroid cut out. And that's when they're like, dude, your thyroid levels are completely off. You need to be on medications. I'm surprised no one told you this. 
<laughs> Did you have any other symptoms other than the weight gain? Yeah, I was. I would say I was losing a lot of my hair. I had bald spots for days. I had lost like at least a third of my eyebrows on both of my eyebrows. Oh, wow. And let me tell you, I was a college student at the time with no money. And I went, I remember walking over to like the local Target and clearing out those $1 elf eyeshadows, Mm -hmm. the brown ones. And I had, I stockpiled at least like 15 of them. And that's what I would use to fill in like the bald spots in my hair, in my eyebrows. And I'd like put a ball cap on to go to to class mm-hmm. and like feel somewhat normal. So wow. the hair loss was a big thing. I had like a cold intolerance in that I was always cold. And that's just something I kind of had my entire life. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really make much of it. I was just like, whatever. I'm the girl that's always cold. So that, that cold intolerance was a big thing. The hair loss was a big thing. The energy levels just being non-existent, like being so fatigued all the freaking time was a massive one. I also suffered from a lot of like GI issues. So like constipation, not being able to digest things, like kind of having massive reactions to every little bit of food I ate. That was a a big thing as well on top of the most salient thing, which was Mm -hmm. the weight gain. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of questions about when the doctors finally told you like, hey, you have hypothyroidism. But before I ask you those, I wanted you to briefly just explain to the audience like, what is hypothyroidism? What does that mean? There's also a hyperthyroidism. There's also Hashimoto's. There's Graves. And they're like all in a, in a sense related to the thyroid. So if you were able to just give like a brief overview on what those are and the differences. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So first off, I primarily work with women that have hypothyroidism. And this is because women are five to eight times more likely to be diagnosed with hypothyroidism than men. And one in eight women has hypothyroidism or a thyroid disorder today. And so what hypothyroidism is, is pretty much a a suboptimal functioning of the thyroid gland. So the thyroid gland is this little gland that's like butterfly shaped in the base of your neck. So it has two lobes and it regulates your metabolism. Now, oftentimes when we are talking about metabolism, and like outside of the science field, like, like normally, like when we talk about metabolism, we think, well, she has a fast metabolism. She can eat whatever she wants and she doesn't put on weight, right? That's how we normally talk about it. But in the, in, when we're talking about metabolism in the context of science, your metabolism actually has nothing to do with weight gain or weight loss. It is very literally the sum total of all of the reactions that happen in your body. So your thyroid controls your metabolism. And when we tell some, when somebody has hypothyroidism or a slowed down thyroid, they do have a slowed metabolism. Yes, but that doesn't just mean they gain weight. It's much more deep than that. It's much more complicated. So when you have a slow metabolism, this means that all of the functions that are vital in your body can slow down. So like your energy levels get slow. Your heart rate can get slower or faster depending on where you are on the spectrum. It can slow down the other hormone production in your body. It can slow down your digestion. And so what a lot of us women tend to see is the weight gain and the hair loss because it's Mm -hmm. most visible, but it's really the fact that everything's kind of slowing down that causes the hair loss, that causes the cold intolerance, that causes the fatigue. And that is what hypothyroidism is. Now on the opposite extreme, we have hyperthyroidism. And so a lot of those symptoms tend to be the direct opposite of hypothyroidism. So you will see like a very, very fast heart rate. You will see weight loss at times. 
And it's, you know, when it comes to diagnoses, sometimes I hear clients and people on Instagram say, like, I just wish I had hyperthyroidism. I wish, I wish I could just lose weight. But you know, it's, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to diagnoses, one, you do not want to wish that because every condition comes with its own set of, of maladies, of symptoms that we, that are just absolutely horrible. We want to be in a good, normal place. Um, mm-hmm. weight gain and weight loss is just not the most important thing in the world. And they both come with like their own whole host of symptoms that can be very life consuming. Right. So that's kind of what hyperthyroidism is. It's just an active functioning of the thyroid that can result in weight loss. So that's hypo and hyper. Now, on the other hand, we have Hashimoto's. So Hashimoto's thyroiditis is pretty much an autoimmune form of hypothyroidism. So the best way to describe this is imagine that we have these little soldiers in our body called antibodies. All right. So they're kind of there ready for battle. And ideally your antibodies would are there in our bodies to fight off like the bad guys. But when we have an autoimmune condition, basically what that means is that these little soldiers in our body kind of went rogue and they're attacking its own, like something that's on its own side. And in this case, our thyroid. So these little soldiers that should be for you kind of go against you. They can attack your thyroid, thereby making you hypothyroid. Mm-hmm. But just because we have antibodies present, just because we have these soldiers present, doesn't mean that they're always actively attacking your thyroid. And that is what the difference is between us having a flare-up and having hypothyroidism versus just having antibodies present, which are kind of dormant. And I think that distinction is really important because I think a lot of sisters will feel very dismissed by their doctors or sometimes it's very scary to get your lab results back and see that your antibodies are so freaking high and you're like, why isn't my doctor talking to me about this? And what we want to do when we have high antibodies is look at our thyroid labs. If your thyroid labs are in an optimal place and you have high antibodies, what this means is that you have those little soldiers but they're not doing anything bad yet, but we want to continue monitoring that. So that's kind of the autoimmune form of hypothyroidism, the slow, mm-hmm. the, the slowdown of the thyroid. And then we have Graves disease, which is something I'm not too, too well versed on, but it pretty much is the opposite of Hashimoto's. It's mm-hmm. an, also an autoimmune form of hyperthyroidism. So pretty okay. much it's an autoimmune condition that causes the speed up of your thyroid gland. Again, which also comes with its own host of issues. So we never want to like swing into hyper either. Yeah. So you brought up the lab tests and uh, that's something that I had done. So basically when I, I actually went to my doctor to find out if I had a hormone disorder because I have a skin condition called melasma and I heard somewhere that it might be related to my hormones, so I should get my hormones levels checked. And so they did a blood test and they were like, oh, your hormone levels are fine, but you have hypothyroidism. And I'm like, what the heck is that? So of course I did my own research on like, what is this data telling me? What do my lab results mean? There's all this stuff that they're looking at and measuring and I don't know really what it means. And so just in my own personal research, I had read a lot of conflicting reviews on just the lab testings in general and the scale of which that you're being tested on. And that some people think that the scale is too broad or not broad enough. And so there are a lot of people that aren't being diagnosed with the condition because the scale system's off and so people are being told they either have it when they don't or they don't when they do. Do you have any thoughts on that or have you looked into anything like that and what have you found? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I completely understand the frustration about this um, as as a patient, right? And there's a lot of people on the internet right now talking about where, like, even if you're in the normal range, you could still be off. And mm-hmm. like, there's normal and there's optimal. And I, I understand where these where these people are coming from. And this is this confusion simply arises from the fact that the medical community doesn't agree on what constitutes a truly low functioning thyroid and how and when to prescribe medicine. There isn't mm-hmm. anything nationwide or even worldwide that says, okay, this is the cutoff point, right? And I think when it comes to things like blood pressure, for example, we've, we're have we all aware of like the 120 over 80. It's kind of like something we hear all the time, mm-hmm. but there isn't a set number like that for thyroid issues. So the range tends to be quite wide, right? And I think the more research that we do, we all come across like optimal levels versus normal levels. And it can be really confusing. It can be very jarring. And so, and again, because there isn't one thing where there isn't even like one optimal range and there isn't one normal range. And so my biggest goal as a coach is to have my clients and anyone that's listening to be proactive. And I don't want you to just drive yourself crazy in your head. Because the goal at the end of the day is to for us to be able to take action and actually empower ourselves and increase the quality of our lives through the knowledge we're inquiring versus just kind of going nuts and feeling really confused. So what I like to say is this, whatever doctor that you have, they're going to have their own scale on what they consider to be normal. You know, at the very least, you want to be normal within whatever their scale is. Mm-hmm. right? It's very rare that if you're going to be outside of normal with whatever skill your doctor has and that you're going to be optimal somewhere else, right? So what basically, make sure you're within normal range of whatever your doctor says is normal first. And then as you're put on medications and whenever you're put on a new thyroid dose or a new medication, you're going to be going back every six to eight weeks to get tested to see how that's working out for you. And what you want to do is when you get on a new thyroid medication is keep a notebook and keep track of your symptoms. The only way to find out what is normal for you is by comparing your labs to how you are feeling in your real life, mm-hmm. right? You may come across, say, a an article online that says, these are the optimal functional thyroid levels. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So let's just say you find that table. And if you take, if you hold that table as gospel, and let's just say your levels are within that, And what if you still feel like crap? Mm -hmm. Are those still optimal thyroid levels? Yeah. No, right? Right. And what if you actually felt better before you subscribed to the optimal chart when things were a little more normal and not optimal, but they were actually optimal for you, right? Mm -hmm. And so from this, what I really want listeners to take away is that you need to be a critical thinker when it comes to your thyroid and your body and your symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. We cannot outsource what optimal is to anyone else. You can outsource understanding symptoms to anyone else. There's no amount of money or anything that you can pay someone to have them tell you what is optimal for you, right? So it really is this combination of being collaborative with your healthcare workers and having them take care of the medication side of things. And then you're proactive while keeping note of your symptoms and going back and telling your doctor, hey, you know, when we like bumped this up this much, like my energy has been great. Like that is very valuable feedback that for you to know and for your doctor to know, because let's just say you go back six months later and then your medication gets bumped, say another 25 micrograms. Okay. And now you realize that your heart is just beating really, really fast all the time, even though your labs are supposedly in a better place. This is also very important information because at the end of the day, what matters the most 
is your quality of life, right? Mm -hmm. And so really what we want is like, it's really like this tandem of looking at your labs, keeping a note of your symptoms, because what is optimal for you is also going to change. Mm -hmm. So um, for example, one example that comes to mind is during pregnancy. So during pregnancy, our load on the thyroid, like the demand of the thyroid just goes up quite a bit. So what is normal during pregnancy is not going to be what's normal during your day to day. And so again, it really comes down to you working with your doctor for the medications and labs, but also you keeping a track of your symptoms. Totally. Two questions that I have is like, okay, so first in regards to medication, when you're put on thyroid medication, is this really a lifelong thing or are we able to get to a place where our bodies have kicked out the hypothyroidism or they've beat it? Is this, is this a curable disease or does it ever go away or does it just kind of like get better, but it can come back later in life? Like how does all that work? Yeah. So hypothyroidism is, is for the most part, a lifelong condition. Now, one of the things that boils my blood more than anything are, are people online that talk about how they can help you reverse your hypothyroidism and have it go away or get you off your medications. And so I like to, again, simplify things so that everyone can understand them. So let's, let's, let's put it like this. Let's just say if you're a really, really fatigued person and you're running to the ground because you have a million things on your plate and you were just tired, like you couldn't be more tired, right? If you find someone online that's like, Hey, I'm going to give you the energy of like a million suns, like, and I'm going to do it overnight. Like it's, it's kind of fishy, right? Because you are aware of the fact that, Hey, it's like these 50 million things on my plate that are causing me to be tired. So how are you going to give me all this energy without giving me any kind of like crazy energy drinks or all of these things. And so with, with hypothyroidism, your thyroid is suboptimal in its, in its function. What this basically means is that it's not producing enough thyroid hormone to go and be distributed to all of the other cells in your body that need this, right? Cause mm-hmm. we said your metabolism affects your entire body. So there just isn't enough thyroid hormone to go around, right? And if we don't have enough thyroid hormone, to go around to our entire body, this can cause, it can raise the risk for a whole host of other issues. Like for example, elevated cholesterol, heart problems, peripheral neuropathy. This is pretty much like nerve damage and it can happen in the legs or infertility, miscarriages. These are some things that can possibly happen if we don't get the thyroid hormone to where it needs to be in our body and we need enough to go around. So Basically, can it be cured? Can it be not? You know, hypothyroidism, it really depends on your case. So for example, a lot of women are diagnosed with hypothyroidism, say during pregnancy. And that's because like hormones are kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so they'll just have like pregnancy hypothyroidism. Some people will get it postpartum and it really depends. But you know, I, what I like to say is there isn't anything that you can eat so to speak, or that you can just like consume that's natural to like make more thyroid hormone, Mm -hmm. right? There isn't quite exactly like a supplement that you can just take that'll like boost your thyroid levels to the point where you don't need to be on medication. So let's just compare it to a common deficiency, like say iron. A lot of women are iron deficient. You know, like if you go to their doctors and they tell you that you are iron deficient and you in theory could go about this a couple of ways. You could take an iron supplement to get back to normal. Or you could also start eating more iron-rich foods to boost your iron levels, right? And you you can eventually like wean yourself off the supplement and just have a bunch of balanced iron-rich foods and you can be okay. 
But hypothyroidism doesn't work like that. There's nothing that you can really eat that just directly correlates to more thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. Right? But there's a lot of people that talk about the fact that you can just increase thyroid hormone production, which is false. There's actually no science around this. And so the thing is, it really depends. You could have hypothyroidism lifelong. It really depends on where you are. But the way that I like to look at hypothyroidism and my relationship with my medication is that I don't care if I'm on medications or not. What I care about is that my deeper health and my deeper body is in a good place so that I can live the life that I want to live like a normal person, right? It's so easy to fall into like this web of, I want to get off thyroid medications. Like this sucks. I don't want to take a pill forever. And I get it because I felt like this for so long. I just wanted to get off thyroid medications. But when I was so hyper-focused on getting off medications, I was not at all looking at like my quality of life or anything else, mm-hmm. right? Totally. So today, all I care about is that everything is functioning well so that yeah. I can live well. Whether that's on medication or not, I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. My life has gone from complete garbage to really great since I've been on my medication. So all, almost all of my symptoms are gone. I still have a strange temperature issue, but a lot of other things are pretty much fixed for the most part. But I also hear so much conversation around stress and how like stress is a major cause for people developing hypothyroid or other thyroid issues. And there's so many remedies of like ways to eliminate eliminate different types of stress from your life where I was like reading down to like, you have to get rid of all of your house cleaning products and you have to get rid of your laundry detergent and different kinds of like, now you have to drink bone broth like a hundred times a day. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, how am I supposed to just like live in this bubble and like not be a real human? Like I have to get rid of all these things while taking my medication. And like, it's so, it was so overwhelming for somebody like myself to like learn I had it and then be like, holy shit, I have to change literally a thousand things in my normal day-to-day life that are just regular for human beings. Like, and all this stuff is stress. My toothpaste is stressing me out and giving me hypothyroidism. Like what is that? all valid or are these just things that people are talking about like how much yeah. weight like how much should i like give into this right it's the irony right just like <laughs> like like just looking at you right now over zoom and just hearing you talk about this if these things are causing you stress what about the stress of actually just talking about these and keeping all this in your head it's it's kind of insane and you yeah. know it's never ending you can really go down this rabbit hole of research as well So let's, let's rewind a little bit and talk about stress and hypothyroidism first. So when we are hypothyroid, you know, like physiological stress that we tend to feel as human beings, the stress of like losing your job or the stress of just life and things happening, like that's normal, right? Like we all as people deal with stress, right? It's a normal part of life. Um, we'd probably die without it, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when we have hypothyroidism, our body is under a physiological stress because it doesn't have enough thyroid hormone right? And so that is a stressor. Hypothyroidism in and of itself is a stressor on the body, right? So your body is one system. So this is why we take thyroid medication to lessen that stress on your body so it can get what it needs. So there is that. And also hypothyroidism also tends to be correlated with 
increased cortisol levels. And so cortisol is pretty much just a stress hormone. And so those things tend to be pretty common. One doesn't cause the other, but they are pretty common and they kind of go hand in hand in that like someone that has hypothyroidism usually also has high cortisol curves. Mm -hmm. And so basically here we are people with hypothyroidism that already naturally have like higher cortisol for the most part compared to your average Joe. And then on top of that, there's the stress of the symptoms that we're experiencing, Mm -hmm. right? So then there's like the stress of us just like, oh man, like I'm losing all my hair. Like as a woman, that's stressful. Or like, oh man, I'm putting on all this weight. That's stressful. I have no energy. That's stressful. And then you get online and then you do research and you're like, oh my God, this thing causes like fertility problems. Or like, oh shoot, this woman had like five miscarriages. Like, is that going to be me? That's stressful. And so we start consuming all of this information in an effort to help ourselves but it tends to just add to the stress, right? And then we kind of keep going down this again in an effort to help ourselves. So the intention of us doing research online is always positive, right? And then you're like, hey, maybe I should switch like my toothpaste over to a more natural one. That seems doable, right? It's doable enough, right? Like once I'm out down with this one, I'll pick up a healthier one, whatever. All right, cool. And then you can like slowly swap over like your deodorant. And then you come across web that's like, hey, if you've only switched over your deodorant and toothpaste, you're not doing enough. Here's a list of everything you need to change. Like change out your cleaner, your detergent, your boyfriend, like switch everything, right? (laughs) Right? Like (laughs) Like what? Yeah, like like and some will go so far as to say like change your job. Like like literally whatever it is that like your livelihood, just switch that because your job may be too stressful. And like where's the line? Right? Where is the line? And you know, a lot of so there, there's there's two ways. Some of some of these articles and blogs just don't tend to be based in science. Period. Point blank. And there's a lot of fear mongering that goes on. And basically, what I mean by fear mongering is like this idea of like something that really is like the tiniest of problems is really blown up, and then there's an entire article written about it, and it's written and it's sensationalized in a way that, like, you start worrying about something that really that would have never crossed your mind but because of the way this article was written and the words that were used you feel like oh man i am literally killing myself because of the dish soap i'm using and you believe it right and so is is there is there truth to this is there ground to this you know i will say everything can be toxic and everything can be good for you and it really all depends on the dose Mm -hmm. right so i will say it's not that like you know when it comes to like say let's just talk about body washes Are there body washes that are better for you than others? Yes. Right? But is your body wash, like if you're using like a standard like Dove body wash, because that's what you've used your entire life, like is that going to kill you? Or do we want to change our diet first? Right? And so really the way I like to view things is it's not that your body wash doesn't matter and it's not that you shouldn't switch over to a more natural one if you can, but it's that everything isn't weighed equally. And we get into this trap of thinking, like when we're consuming research, we feel like everything is weighed equally and that everything is important. And when we think everything to help ourselves is equally important, like if you find 150 things and if you have no way to be able to categorize them in order of importance, then it's like, hey, these 150 things are number one. Okay, well, good luck trying to tackle those. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Because then it's just overwhelm and all of these things. And so what I like to teach my clients and what I talk about a lot on Hypothyroid 365 is let's focus on the big rocks first. Let's focus on the big dial movers, like I like to call it. It's like the big rocks or like the dial movers, the three to five things that are going to make the biggest difference first. And then 
if you get the dial movers or the first, like again, three to five things right, you can help yourself like 80%. And the remaining 20 is like, yeah, yeah, like your makeup or your this or that, but maybe the urgency is not so high. Like maybe you wait to buy the natural blush once your current one is done. It's not as pressing because you know you're taking care of the big rocks. And that's what I really want hypo sisters to be able to learn about. That it's not that everything matters or nothing matters, is that everything doesn't matter the same. Mm-hmm. And that you need to tackle this, not from a place of scarcity and urgency, but from this understanding that, hey, this condition is lifelong, perhaps, and for most of us it is, and that's okay. And how do I take it step by step? Because we can't do everything yesterday. Yeah. Well, tell us about Hypothyroid365. This is your hypothyroid weight loss company. You have a bunch of clients. Like, Tell everybody what goes on in, in this community. Yeah. So Hypothyroid365 really started off as a nutrition and fitness coaching company, which is which is what it is. I'm a personal trainer. I'm a licensed nutritionist amongst a whole host of other things. And I also have this condition myself. So I currently work with women who want to lose weight with hypothyroidism, yes, but really the true mission of hypothyroidism, Hypothyroid 365 is to show women with hypothyroidism that they can live their best lives with this condition, right? As a coach, I want to be able to tell women that yes, we all have a very real health condition, but we're also like not disabled, Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to be the coach that's like, hey, these are the cards that we've been dealt, and I know they kind of suck. So let's all just throw them on the floor and be like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And then let's all pick them up and learn to play with these cards because they are the only cards that we have. And we have to learn how to play with them because we're playing for the quality of our lives, right? And when you're playing for the quality of your life, like, well, what's the alternative? There really isn't one, right? So basically... In the Hypothyroid Fat Loss Academy, I want to be able to empower women with hypothyroidism. Yes, give them the tools to eat healthier, to lose the weight. Also through this lens of understanding that deeper health needs to be the foundation of everything that we do. You know, like I'm sure that you and I all have friends that could just like quit drinking and quit the chips for two weeks and lose 10 pounds. And I want to be the coach that tells you like, hey, that's great for them, but we're not those people, right? And, and understand that, hey, because we have this health condition, like everything that we need to do needs to have a foundation of deeper health, but we can still lose weight. We can still live our best lives. And like, what is the most sustainable way that we can do this? Like, like Sarah over here might be able to do a juice cleanse and not have it affect her metabolism like crazy. But for someone like us, like if you do that juice cleanse and then like, let's just say you lose five pounds and then you end up binging as a result of it. And then you convince yourself to do another cleanse. Like these highs and lows in our eating, highs and lows in our patterns can not only further slow down our metabolism, but it can also hurt our deeper health in that your thyroid labs can get worse or your medication dosages can go up. And this can actually keep you from living your best life with this condition, right? So yes, we talk a lot about nutrition. We talk a lot about movement, but my whole thing is really to empower my clients, like, to live like a normal person and to live with this condition in a way that you're mindful of it, but it doesn't completely take over your life. And this all came to be because I found, again, kind of like you mentioned earlier, like all the research, all the things that you're supposed to do is overwhelming. And it's so easy to feel like a failure when you're not doing 
all the things. It's so easy to feel like a failure when you feel like you need to be doing all these 500 things and you're only doing three of them, right? But I really want to show you like, what are the most important things that you need to do? Let's do these consistently. And also that's really, that's really what it comes down to, right? Is how can we simplify so that you can take action, right? Because I find that there's enough information on the internet that tells you to turn your entire life around with like the snap of your fingers and people just make it seem like it's so normal. Like oftentimes when you Google articles, you'll see like, Hey, quit sugar and you'll feel great. Okay. Like just like telling someone to quit sugar is just like one little bullet. Like it just happens like a light switch. Like, okay. To tell somebody like to never eat processed sugar again, because it's the worst in one article. Like you think that's just how it works. Like behavior change doesn't work like that. Habit change doesn't work like that. But what that does do is it builds this fear around sugar. So now that you've read this article that tells you stop eating sugar, like no one actually, no one actually executes. It doesn't just happen like that. But instead now, every time you eat sugar, there's a guilt. There's a shame of I shouldn't be eating this. It's hurting my thyroid, but I'm doing it anyways. What's wrong with me? Is it my willpower? Is it this? Is it that? Right. And instead, like, I think a much more realistic approach is for us to figure out, okay, well, we all know sugar, processed sugar isn't the best thing in the world. And you probably don't want to eat all day long, but how much can we consume? How can we moderate this thing so that you're not always like the sad one at the party avoiding the cake? But like, you also don't want to be the one that's like binging once every month because you've just had it, right? Like, how can we find that middle ground? How can we find that middle ground between like brain shutdown mode where you're eating all the things and like complete deprivation and restriction, yeah. right? And there's not enough people talking about that middle ground and that's where we want to live. And that's why the Hypothyroid Fat Loss Academy came to be because a lot of the recommendations right now on the internet about hypothyroid 365 tend to be so black and white. And that is just not how we operate. Mm -hmm. Like that's just not how humans operate. That's not how we change our habits. And that's also not how our bodies operate. No. So you mentioned earlier there being like four to five, like I think you called them like dials that move. Would you say that those dials are different for every client that you might have. It varies among person and you work with that person directly to decide what those look like for her. Yeah. So definitely there is personalization, but there's also like some universal things that apply to everybody. So whether I have a weight loss client or a woman who is six months pregnant that joins the academy, they obviously have different goals. One might want to lose weight. One just wants to be healthy, but a lot, a lot of the fundamentals still come into play. So for example, the fundamental of mostly like eating more minimally processed foods and fewer highly processed foods. Like mm-hmm. that, that is pretty standard across the board or consuming more protein, trying to have like, say a palm's worth at every meal to reduce your hunger and increase your satisfaction. That is kind of universal as well. Right. Or, and then after that, adding on another layer of prioritizing more colorful fruits and vegetables, right. Trying to have a serving at every meal. So these are some dial movers that apply to everyone right? And I think it's sometimes when we have hypothyroidism, it's so easy to get into this mindset of thinking, well, I need the most specialized, the most hardcore plan because I'm special and I'm unique and I have like this condition. Well, and you know, at Hypothyroid 365, what I want to say, what I, the message I kind of want to give out is yes, we're all special, but we're, we're not all such uniquely special unicorns that there isn't anything universal that applies to all of us. Like vegetables will always be good. Protein will always be good. 
right? Shifting away from highly refined carbs to slower digesting smart carbs a few times a day is always going to be good for all of us. And I think that sometimes when we get into like these, these like minute research details, it's easy to forget that like the fundamentals of healthy eating still apply to us. In fact, mm-hmm. those need to be taken care of before we go and switch out our deodorants. Yeah, totally. Does your program work where you can anybody sign up at any time or do you have like um, a certain amount of weeks that somebody would be in the program? Yeah. So the Hypothyroid Fat Loss Academy currently is a 12 week program. And really the way I like to describe it is that it is a habit change program designed to help you, yes, lose the hypo pounds and also feel amazing. It's a habit change program grounded in nutritional science because as a coach, my goal isn't to have you lose as much weight as you possibly can in 12 weeks and then just be like, peace, mm-hmm. right? I want, yes, I want everyone to be able to make progress towards your goals. And most of us do have weight loss goals along with like managing our symptoms. But I want you to do that in a way such that you can continue those habits week 13 to life. Mm-hmm. So as a coach, I spend most of my time thinking about weeks 13 to life ra- rather than how much weight can my clients lose in weeks one to 12. Mm-hmm. right? Because hypothyroidism, again, is lifelong. I would be doing a disservice and I would be out of my integrity if all I, all I focused on was just like 12 weeks of like, let's just get you to weigh as less as you can. Let me get that before and after and we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Which is a lot of what you kind of see online, which is why even when I showcase my clients on hypothyroid 365, it's usually like well after they've graduated from the academy. Because mm-hmm. I want to see what kind of life are you living now? Right. Because again, fat loss isn't the most important thing in the world. So coming back to the hypothyroid fat loss academy, it's for 12 weeks. I run a handful of cohorts throughout the year and you can kind of see what's happening over, over at the application that's in the link in my bio. And I do run an application process. And so basically sisters will apply. I get to know them better. If it's a good fit, we'll hop on an interview call. And this is where I get to know you as a coach. I want to see how and if I can help you. I want to see if the academy would be a good fit for your goals. And if it is a good fit, then we'll embark on this 12-week journey together. And my clients fill out a very, very thorough intake form. Everyone gets a personalized nutrition guide. And this isn't a meal plan telling you to eat a half a cup of oatmeal with like 10 blueberries and three almonds. But I want to teach you how to go about food. Right. Because meal plans, I think, to some degree, are something that everyone has tried. Everyone's given an attempt at meal plans. Mm-hmm. But meal plans don't really work long term. Right. We also all come from different cultural backgrounds and different lifestyles. Right. Like I come from a culture where most people tend to be vegetarian and eat a lot of like beans and lentils and rice and like tortillas. And a lot of my clients that are Hispanic, like if I tell them to like not eat corn and beans and rice, it's like. Okay. Like that's not realistic. Like, okay. Just never eat these foods again. Like day one, welcome to the Academy. You can't eat these things ever again. That's, and that's the strategy that most coaches take with, with zero consideration into like the person as a human being, right? It's like, we need to meet our clients where we are as coaches to be able to guide them through this, right? I would never want to tell my client that, Hey, if you can't cut out rice, beans, and corn, then you're kind of screwed. Because that affects them. Like, let's focus on everything else that we can do. And also, like, the amount of rice, corn, and beans you're eating matters too. Like, let's, yeah. let's take a look at where you are. It's not so black and white, right? And so in the academy, everyone does get personalized recommendations. I want to teach you the how and why and the mindset on how you want to approach food, how you to approach eating. Because there's a lot of people that are 
just telling you what to do without the how and the why. And at the end of these 12 weeks, I want my clients to be critical thinkers, to be able to coach themselves. And I never want to tell you what to do without the how and the why and my reasoning behind it. Because it's imperative that you know this because you have this condition for life, right? And if we don't understand why we're doing something, like we're not going to stick to it for very long. No, right? definitely not. So that's kind of how how the Academy runs. I'm currently enrolling for, for June here in 2021 but we have a cohort about every other month. Awesome. So I know the sisterhood is huge with you, with your academy, with your brand, your company and everything. I obviously am a huge fan of sisterhood. That's what we preach on my podcast. Our entire mission is to just celebrate the unique life experiences of women throughout history and alive today. And so I just want to ask you, which I like to ask all my guests is like, what does sisterhood mean to you or even just to hypothyroid 365 yeah you know this is this is an interesting question because day one like when i started hypothyroid 365 the goal was never to like like from a branding perspective it wasn't like oh we're a sisterhood because like the brand it was just i think to me the hypothyroid 365 sisterhood is is pretty much this idea that hypothyroidism is so prevalent and we are a collective of women that happen to be joined together via a common diagnosis right in this case hypothyroidism And I want all of us to have the mindset that even though this condition may not be ideal, that we can learn to play with the cards that we've been dealt. And while we are taking action, we can support others along the way. And that this makes our lives and our experience better in turn. So this whole idea of that we rise while lifting each other up. When Hypothyroid 365 first started, I used to just do one-on-one coaching. But I saw that the results of my clients 10x when we introduced a sisterhood and a community element to it. Mm-hmm. Not because my start, clients started taking more action, they were one-on-one. It's just because now you're taking action yourself, but you're also supporting other sisters when they're stumbling, right? And it's when they're stumbling and you help them up that you empower them and you also feel more confident in that you just help someone else. And now that person can kind of do the same. And it kind of keeps the momentum going. It keeps everything going. And the whole understanding with hypothyroid 365 is that just because you have a condition that's less than ideal doesn't mean that you can't grow from it and that you don't have anything to give to help others grow from it as well. You absolutely do. And you're never really alone in your struggles. And so a sisterhood, I think, also helps us bond over the struggles But in that, we can also learn that whatever it is that we're going through that we may feel shameful about, that we may feel guilty about, is not unique to us. Like, we're not alone. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of when we feel bad, I think that the feeling is exasperated when we feel like we're the only ones going through that. Right? And so it's nice in the sisterhood to be able to say, well, hey, I'm going through this thing. It sucks. But I'm not alone in this. And a lot of power comes from that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we do on the show. We tell women's stories throughout history so the rest of us can be like, oh, wow, that person dealt with that in 1728. Damn, I better take a seat here. (laughs) 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 need to reflect for a minute. Cool. Well, before we wrap up, I just wanted to let you either, you know, give any last tidbits that we haven't discussed yet today, anything else you wanted to include that we didn't get to cover, or also just any kind of advice you would have for the woman today that either just realized she has a hypothyroid diagnosis she just found out, or maybe is just like 
realizing literally right now that she has these symptoms that we've been talking about and is like, oh, fuck, <laughs> like, I better get to my doctor. Like, yeah. any last any last things you want to say to her? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I guess my biggest piece of advice is understanding that there is always something that you can do. Right. My, if there was like one message that I wanted, that I wanted to give to everybody is it, it isn't a nutrition tip or a fitness tip. It's more so understanding that no matter what comes your way and no matter the struggles that you're facing, there's always something that you can do. And this applies, especially in the case of hypothyroidism. So yes, your thyroid levels may be off. But what can you do? You can get on medications. There's lifestyle things that you can do. And I want everyone to learn that it's okay if feeling optimal with hypothyroidism takes work or takes hard work. Like you can do hard things and it's worth the work, right? Like you are worth it. And the work is worth it, especially when you don't want to do it. And if you're looking for tactical, tangible things to do, come on over to hypothyroid365 on Instagram. That's where I love to give tactical tips, a lot of mindset tips as well, because, and share the stories of other women, because I want you to see a body of women that are thriving with this condition, that are taking action and doing better so that you can see that you can do the same for yourself. And if you are feeling like you're just diagnosed, you're feeling lost, I'm always a DM away. I do make it a point to respond to every single DM that I get. I sometimes fall a little behind, but give me some time and I will absolutely get back to you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I seriously am so appreciative of you just sharing all of your incredible knowledge with us. It was so informative. Um, and I'm just so excited that people now have you as a resource that they can reach out to when they're figuring out they have hypothyroidism like us. <laughs> I hope they don't. I'm praying for you guys. I hope you don't. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, the sisterhood is great. The collective is great. The condition, not so great most of the time, but you know what? We can live our best lives. We can absolutely. And um, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and walked away with quite a bit of very beneficial information. And I pray to God, none of you have hypothyroidism or any thyroid disease. But if you do, I hope this episode was very informative or has been very enlightening and has inspired you to book an appointment to get your blood drawn because you never know what the hell you might find. Don't forget, we have a podcast phone number where you can call in and leave a voicemail to be featured in a future episode. I'd love to hear your voices, to meet you, to know where you're calling from, how you found the pod, why you love the pod, and maybe a couple shout outs to some women in your life that deserve some special recognition. So if you are interested in calling in and having your voice featured in a Mimosa Sisterhood episode, you can call 562-270-4914. That is 562-270-4914. All right, guys. Thank you again. That's all from me. And I'll be seeing you next week. Bye.